Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. So grateful for church. Man, it feels good to be back in the room. If you're in the room, we just love your presence, God. We love what you're up to. We can just sense that we're on the, the cusp of something. Thank you, God, that you're building your church. Even though the enemy tried to shut the church, tried to close the church, it couldn't. And now it's coming back stronger. Now it's coming back. And we're going to impact more lives and more souls through the kingdom of God like ever before. So Father, we declare that the army is on the move. The army is marching forward in Jesus' name. Father, speak to us for your word this day. Father, the whole premise of this book is to become more like Jesus. So far as we peel back another mask today, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Shine your light on this area of our lives that we can grow in and change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys can give the worship team a hand as you sit down as well. Okay, so we've prayed about it. Our golden life is to become more like Jesus. The premise of the book is dare to be the real you. And uh, uh, Good news is uh, Unmasked will be available on audio version in the next few weeks' time. I'll let you know about that too. Um, that's going to be released, so we'll be, uh, be in touch. Now, week number one, we dealt with fear. Week number two, rejection. Week three and four, we dealt with the terrible twins, uh, guilt and shame. Last week, we dealt with perfectionism. And this week, we are going to deal with a mask that is the hardest to see in ourselves. Of all the masks, it's the hardest to see on ourselves, but it is the easiest to see in someone else. And few of us recognize this mask, but even fewer deal with it. We're talking today about the mask of insecurity. And all of us have to deal with this in one form, shape, or another. Now, I'm going to ask us, start with this question, how do you know if you struggle with insecurity. Because if you can't see it in yourself, we need to challenge ourselves. So what I want to share with you is, I had 10 of these, but I had to, because of time, just going to share four. These are personal to me. This is a mask that I struggle with, okay? Last week and this week would be the two masks that I struggle with most, okay? So this would be a big one for me, insecurity. And if you struggle with insecurity, this is going to help you. If you don't struggle with it, you will struggle with it by the time I've read these next four things. <laughs> see if you can see yourself in any of these. And will you promise not to judge me today? No one on that side said a word. Okay. Okay. You struggle with insecurity like me if you act like Mary Poppins. What's Mary Poppins? Practically perfect in every way. I'm going to call it the Mary Poppins syndrome. 
Insecurity prides itself in perfection. We talked about it last week, and if you missed last week, it really is the foundation for dealing with this week. So we act like Mary Poggins. Secondly, and because of time, I have to fly through these. Um, I'm a disagreement machine. If someone says the sky is blue, I say, no, it's green. You know those people? They just like to disagree for disagreement's sake. You need to feel like you're right all the time. Most of our bad behaviors in life are actually rooted in insecurity. And they, they have the potential to hurt the, those around us. Whenever we are always right, whenever we have a, with the disagreement machine syndrome, we diminish the people around us. And we're never free until we're until we're free from the need to impress people. The third way to spot insecurity in yourself is you crave comments, likes, and strokes. Comments, likes, and strokes. I feel the need to keep receiving likes on social media and people stroking my ego. People have to keep giving you a fix, a fix of encouragement, a fix of compliments, a fix of, of comments. The problem with needing a fix to keep going is it gets incredibly tiring on those around you. Now, the reality is, by the way, we all need compliments. We all need encouragement. But the challenge comes when you crave it to get through the day. I was out and about this week. How good is it, by the way, to be out and about? feels weird to say I'm going around someone's house, doesn't it? I was in the city, I saw this family, and there was four or five of them, and they were all on their phones, out for dinner. And all they were doing was just stroking their phone, liking their thing, commenting, and I'm thinking, this is really interesting, because actually, this is all rooted in insecurity. Because what they're looking for is someone to have commented on their post, someone to have liked their photo, someone, what we're looking for, so social media, the social dilemma that we're all facing is rooted in the fact that we're all actually insecure. And we all actually need someone to say, you're doing great. What a great photo. The fourth thing that happens is our friendship circle diminishes. Because people don't want to be around us. Unfortunately, the fruit of insecurity is exactly the same fruit as rejection and some of the other masks is we isolate. But it's called reversed isolation because with rejection, shame, and guilt, because of something we've done or something we're ashamed of, we naturally pull back from, from community. But when it comes to insecurity, we don't pull back, but other people pull back from us. So it's reversed isolation. And our friendship circle diminishes. Now, he'll be honest to say they've spotted at least one of these in themselves. We're on the back row. I love back row honesty. Now, wrestling of insecurity does not mean you're a bad person. It just means you're human. Okay, so we're all insecure. The premise is it. We're all insecure. We all struggle. No one is exempt. And we've got to deal with it. Now, there are two definitions when it comes to insecurity. There's the, the, I'm going to call the natural definition and the spiritual definition. 
And the natural definition in the dictionary only gives us the problem. The spiritual definition gives us the problem and the solution. The natural definition to security is simply to be lacking in security. To be lacking in security. We don't know who we are. And we try to find our identity in what we wear, who we hang out with, how many followers we have on social media, how many likes we get on our posts, and we base our value on what people say about us or how people treat us. That is how we base our security. Now, the spiritual definition of insecurity or security is we find our worth in something or somebody in what God's Word says about us. We find our worth in what God's Word says about us. Our worth, identity is not based on whether we have a degree, our postcode, the car we drive, and what we own or what we do. What gives us our value and our security is knowing we were created and loved by God. Every person in this room, as the team so beautifully just prayed, is equally valuable to God. The world's view of security comes from the outside in. Everything is if you perform more, work more, earn more, achieve more, hang out with the right people more, you will get your security from the outside in. This is why we crave from the outside. But God's definition of security comes from the inside out, which I know who I am in Christ, which is what we've been singing about today. And the good news is we do not have to live with insecurity. Our Heavenly Father today wants us to feel secure in Him. So what's the cure for the insecure? How do we remove the mask? Firstly, you've got to recognize you're insecure. That's a big thing, by the way, to recognize that. A lot of people don't want to admit that. This is why it was the hardest chapter of the book for me to write, because I had to actually admit that there were areas, I'll talk about them specifically in the book, areas of my life that I'm insecure. And so when we feel insecure, we say to God and we pray these three, I'm going to call them dangerous prayers, dangerous prayers. So I'm going to read them out to you, I'm going to unpack them one by one. The first prayer we pray is this, God love me through my insecurities. The second prayer is God heal me out of my insecurities. And the third dangerous prayer is God use me despite my insecurities. God love me, God heal me, God use me. First of all, God love me through my insecurity. This is our first antidote to dealing with insecurity. Are you ready? Last week, the antidote for dealing with perfectionism was the glorious grace of God. The first antidote for dealing with insecurity is the unconditional love of God. God has never stopped loving you, but we might have stopped believing it. Every time those feelings of insecurity rise up, the first response has to be this. To remember what God thinks of me. John 13, 23 is a, is a strange passage. Because Jesus clearly loved all the disciples equally. Yet one of them gives himself the nickname, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Isn't it a bit strange to write that about yourself? 
So when we hear talk about John the disciple whom Jesus loved, we think, well, he writes that about himself. By the way, Matthew, Mark, and Luke never mention that. He mentions it about himself. Was he being cocky or arrogant? No, I think he just has his identity in the right place. And he says in John 13, 23, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. You see, when you understand how much God loves you, it changes the way you see yourself. And John had this revelation of just how much God loves him. And this is why our daily devotion, and you know, we, I don't think there's a sermon that goes by, I don't encourage people to pray and read their Bibles, because this is the foundation. It would be like a child not telling them to drink water and eat, eat food every day. This is our daily bread. This is our living water. And you can't survive your Christian faith when you're not eating and drinking. And when we go to our Bibles, we read the Bible from the standpoint, not what do I have to do to get God to love me more, but what God has already done for me. This is an historical book. It's a textbook. There's so many different things this is. a prophetic book. But there's something else it is. It's a love letter. This is a love letter. Who used to get love letters? Who still gets them? Bring them back. Game on. But why do we keep encouraging you to read your Bibles? Because it's a love letter. It's God telling you how much he loves you. And the enemy wants to get us obsessed with everything else but the love letter. The love letter. Becoming, Craig Rochelle says, he says, becoming obsessed with what people think of you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks of you. And today, I just want you to, again, to remind you that my worth and my value and my identity is not in what I do, not in what I wear, but I'm a child of God, and He loves me. No matter how much I attend church, no matter if I'm in a group, I'm not in a group, no matter if I feed the homeless, drive a van, crash a van, whatever you're going to do in the van, here's the thing. God's love for you remains the same. We are all equally valuable to God. Equally valuable. Insecurity actually means fear. Insecurity is rooted in fear. So I want to read a chapter from, or a portion from 1 John 4, chapter 18. And we're going to exchange the word fear for insecurity. It says, where God's love is, there is no fear. There is no insecurity where God's love is. Because God's perfect love drives out insecurity. It is punishment that makes a person insecure. So love is not made perfect in the person who fears insecurity. You want to get rid of insecurity in your life? Get God's love in there. You want to get insecurity out of the office? Get God's love in the middle of the office. You want to get insecurity out of your marriage, out of your friendships? You've got to get God's love because God's perfect love drives out insecurity. You see, we've preached for years that the opposite to fear is faith. And that's definitely true. But the reality is the opposite to insecurity, the opposite to fear is love. 
is love. And when you invite God's perfect love into the front door of your heart, insecurity goes out of the back door. If you're feeling insecure, maybe you're sitting on a board and you feel insecure because of the people around you. Maybe you're on a team at work and you just feel insecure because people are more qualified around you. Maybe you started a business and it's, it's tough right now and you're feeling insecure. Maybe you're on social media and you see where everyone else's lives are moving forward. The first thing you've got to do is remind yourself how much God loves you. And the challenge is when you let insecurity in the front door, love goes out the back door. So you've got to make a decision who you're allowing into the front door. What is the front door? Simple, your eyes and your ears. What's the first thing you look at in the morning? Is it social media or God's word? Because social media can drive insecurity into your day. What is the thing you're allowing in the front door of your day? I was away on Thursday evening in Suffolk at a conference, and um, Chantel had the bed to herself. She said it was amazing. (laughs) Till about 4 a.m., when my son Justice was having a little bit of a bad dream or a nightmare, and he runs into the room, as kids do, and jumped into the bed. Now, in that moment, Chantal had an option. She could have preached a faith message. Son, you need more faith. You need to get in your room and cast every demon and principality and power out of that room and stand on the word of God. Do you know what he needed in that moment? Mum's perfect love. Mum's perfect love. Like any parent, she wraps her arms around him and within seconds, in mum's perfect love, he falls to sleep. What do we do when insecurity comes rocking? What do we do? We remind ourselves that God's outstretched hands, his arms are wrapped around us. And even though we might be comparing ourselves to so many things and people, he just wants you to know he loves you. And you know, I'll be honest, from time to time, I ask myself this big question. And the question is, does God still love me? Is anyone honest enough to say, do you still love me? And Isaiah 54.10 always springs to mind. It says, my love for you will never end. I don't know if there's a more powerful statement. My love for you, my love for you, Dave, will never end. My love for you, Schmiler, will never end. My love for you, Dick, will never, ever end. My love for you, Matt, will never end. Come on, just marinate in that right now. My love for you will never end. Agape love, a never-ending love. Human love can change. Human love can end. Human love can even die. But God's love for you will never end. You know, I always get in trouble in life when I forget God's love towards me. Because insecurity takes hold. And if I stop the message now, you know, sometimes I, every time I teach on the love of God, I always feel like the church must just get sick of me talking about the love of God. And I remind myself, I never get tired of Chantel telling me that she loves me. Never get tired of it. You know, she never gets tired of me saying I never get tired. Why? Because love has to be continually reaffirmed. I can't just marry once at the altar and say till death to his part, I'm going to love you. By the way, husbands, tell your wives you love them every day, every day, without fail, 
Well, what about when we just had an argument? I love you, but say it. <laughs> say it when you don't mean it. Say it when you mean it. Say it when you feel like it. Say it when you don't feel like it. Why? Because human. There's two things we need as, as, as human beings. Ready? Number one, unconditional love, and number two, acceptance. They're the two things we're created for, unconditional love and acceptance. We can never hear it enough that God loves us. We can never hear it enough that despite our backgrounds, despite our faults, our failures, He still loves me. It's not enough, by the way, just to know God loves you. You've got to accept it. God's love is, it's not like an auction. God's love is not up for sale. You can't earn God's love. You can't buy it out of good works. you just got to receive it today. I don't want to just tell you again, you're loved. In fact, I'm just going to keep telling you, you're loved. You're loved. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're loved today. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. You're loved. What's your name? Charlotte? Charlotte, you are loved of God. Diane, you're loved. Maybe no one's told you for a long time. God wants to wrap his arms around you and say, you are loved today, loved of God. Those who are watching online, sitting on your own, isolated, you are loved of God today. Come on, let's get a fresh revelation how much God loves us. First dangerous prayer is God love me through my insecurities. Number two, God heal me out of my insecurities. Recently, my son fell over, scraped his knee, had a few little cuts and bruises, as, as little kids do, and runs into the house. But who knows, it wasn't enough for Chantel. The first thing she always does, is she wraps her arms around him, you're going to be okay, I love you, son. But who knows, it's not enough just to love him, you've got to heal him. You've got to put some an ointment on and cleanse it and clean it and then put a bandage on. You know, God, he doesn't just want to love you. He wants to heal you. Love is the first part, but healing is the next part. And this is how God heals us of insecurity. Now, this is going to get a little deep here, okay, because we're going to go into the wounds. Are you ready? You ready? You know when they go into the wounds? We've been into the doctor's surgery and the doctor said, hey, well done for coming in. Everything's going to be okay. And then he gets to work. This is this bit. So how does God heal us of insecurity? And this is incredibly difficult, especially for us blokes. Because we don't want to admit it. But number one, they all begin with A. How does God heal us? You've got to admit, I need healing. You've got to admit it. If you recognize any of the four things I said earlier, there's many more, but it probably means there's some healing needed in your life. The second part of this healing is we've got to ask the big question. Ask the big question. No one else can answer this. We can only answer this ourselves. And the big question is, what have I attached my worth to? What have I attached my worth to? Is my worth attached to my social media handles? Is my worth attached to the car I drive? Is my worth attached to the postcode I live in? Is the worth attached to the label on my jacket? What is my worth attached to? And we can either attach our worth to what I'm going to call worldly standards or godly standards. Worldly standards is where I live, what I wear, what I do, how I look. 
How many followers do I have? How many comments? I'm going to be really honest. When we lived in Hillsong, Cape, lived in Cape Town, pastoring at Hillsong, we would speak to eight to 10,000 people on a Sunday. It was a huge church. We could get hundreds of comments on our social media feeds. People would, you could get two, 300 followers on a Sunday. Because such a big church. Come back to Norwich, you'd be lucky to get a thank you. First year, it was like, oh my goodness. When you go from that to this, and God was like, no, this is just part of the process, part of the process of what I have attached my worth to. Now, what have you attached your worth to? Because I can't answer it for you, but I had attached my worth to public affirmation. So I know that's a weakness in my character, it's a weakness in my life, so I've got to guard against it. And that's how the world measures their value. We get caught up in compliments, comments, followers. You can even get caught up in church, your position, where we sit in church, our titles. You see, our position doesn't, it's not in where we're sat in church, it's where we're seated in Christ. That's where my value is. And this is the standard of which we measure our worth by. This is where we find out our true identity. This is where I find my security and my healing. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork. That's all of us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared. We're created. We're God's handiwork. This is where we get our encouragement. This is where we get our likes. This is where we get our comments. This is where we find our identity. So we've got to ask ourselves the big question, what have I attached my worth to? The second part of this prayer is we've got to attack back. Attack back. This is the fun bit. Insecurity, write this down, is an enemy of God. Insecurity is an enemy of God. This is where we have to confess our security in him. We use our words where the enemy hates them the most. The enemy hates you quoting, no, you said squoting, (laughs) quoting scripture. God loves you, but God loves to hear you. God loves you, I'm going to say that again, but he loves to hear you. I love going to my kids' Christmas thing at, or pantomime, whatever it is, at school, back in the good old days. And you'd, you'd wait, wouldn't you, in the cold and squeeze into a tiny little village hall or community hall and you sit there on, why do they always give us kids' seats to sit on? Anyway, you sit there like this and you can't move for two hours. You burst into the toilet and you just can't, and then they give you a little glass of fizzy on the way out. Anyway, it's one of those moments. And you're sitting there, but why are you going? Because your little son or daughter has got three words an hour into the play. You don't care about the play. You don't care about the storyline. You don't care about anything. You just want to hear your little Johnny. Say, we three kings and orange are, whatever. You want to hear him say that. Why? Because you love to hear your children's voices. You know what happens when you're insecure? You stop speaking. You've got to attack back and begin to speak the word of God. God loves it. God loves to hear your voice. God loves you and God wants to hear you. And here's the other thing 
Let the devil know who you are in Christ. Stop saying negative things about yourself. Just stop it right now. Stop saying negative things about yourself. You know the Bible says, I'm totally taking this verse out of context, but it works. If any two of you agree on anything on earth, it shall be done. Stop coming into agreement with the devil. Stop coming into agreement because it will probably be done. I'll never get that job. No, you won't because you've just come into agreement because guess what? The devil's going to agree with you. I'm just stupid. And the devil whispers back, you are. He's coming to agreement. I'm not good enough. And the devil says, you are. You're not good enough. Be careful what you say about yourself. You know, there's a scientific fact, and it's this. And by the way, how do I know it's a scientific fact? Because I found it on Google. And if it's on Google, it's 100% true. Scientific fact on Google says this. And even if it's not true, it sounds true, and it works for the message. It says, we believe more about what we say about ourselves than what other people say about us. We believe more about what we say about ourselves. Why? Because there's power in our words. Okay, so I want to, this is our war cry. This is our attack back. I love coming up with little lines to attack back. Okay, so I want you to write this on your fridge, put it in the restroom. Okay, put it wherever you are. I want you to write this back. When you are feeling insecure, this is your attack back against the enemy. Are you ready? It's going to come up on the screen, behind you on the screen, at home. I am confident in who I am in Christ. This is, our, this is our war cry, back to the devil. When you sin at work and you're feeling insecure, when you're on social media, you stand up and say, I am confident in who I am in Christ. That two of you have got it. I am confident in who I am. Who's going to be the first to stand up and shout this out? Stand in your front room. Stand. Come on, I am confident. Come on, stand it up and shout it out. You're not telling me, you're telling yourself. I am confident. I am confident in whom I am in Christ. Come on, shout it at the back. I am confident. Come on, get your confidence back right now. I am confident in who I am in Christ. I am confident. Keep saying it. Keep saying it till you believe it. I am confident in who I am in Christ. Now we're going to say it together. I'm leading the service, mum. Okay, you ready? After three. One, two, three. I am confident in who I am in Christ. Four out of ten. That wouldn't scare the devil. Come on, confidence. A newfound confidence at work this week. Don't allow insecurity into the front door of your heart. Ready. Now I want you to speak it. Shout it. You know when you're feeling insecure, you've got to say it even louder. You've got to say it even louder. Are you ready? I am confident in who I am in Christ. Eight out of ten. Are you ready? On this side, you're very, very, just very quiet. Are you ready? One more time. Come on, you put your hand up. You can mean it's like a war moment. We're going we're gonna, to, come on. Are you ready? One, two, Three, I am confident in who I am in Christ. Brilliant. You guys can sit down. You can sit down. You know, often we look for someone else to build us up. We look to social media for our confidence. We look for the next thing to build our confidence. 
It is no one else's job to keep you encouraged. It's not even your wife's job to keep you encouraged. It's your job. David said in Samuel chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, David encouraged. He strengthened himself in the Lord. That's why you've got to wake up in the morning and say tomorrow, I am confident in who I am in Christ. I am confident in the office, in the boardroom. I'm confident in the sports stadium. I am confident in who I am in Christ. Someone run out in the garden right now and shout it over your neighbor's fence. Got to attack back. Number four, the fourth A. I never got any A's at school, so I like to preach with A's. You got to affirm others. Got to affirm others. Often the reason we feel insecure is we're threatened by others. And our response to insecurity has to be the exact opposite to how we feel. We celebrate and encourage the people who make us feel insecure. This is completely opposite to your feelings. So someone posts their picture of their little toes on holiday by the pool. And they're on the holiday that you've always desired and you're in lockdown and they're just living the dream. What do you do? You celebrate them. You write a nice comment. You celebrate them. You're single. You want to be married. You just want a boyfriend. Someone posts their picture of their wedding day. Straight away, insecurity takes over. What do you do? You put a nice comment, you celebrate. Someone gets the promotion at work, the one that you wanted, you celebrate their successes. You feel like you have a gift to sing, preach, hold a microphone, build and encourage those who do. Honestly? Because everybody can see the insecurity on you, but you can't see it in yourself. We go out of our way to celebrate the accomplishments of others. And encouragement always breaks down the walls that insecurity builds up. And you know the great thing about the great thing about other people's successes is they bring to the surface my insecurities. We we should actually send them a thank you card. Thank you, Stephen Furtek, for preaching better than me. Because all you do is bring out my insecurities. Thank you. I appreciate you. You are a freak of nature. I'm so grateful for you. Have you watched that guy? Honestly, he's something else. Thank you for leading worship better than me. Thank you for writing songs that are better than my songs. Thank you that you've got a new house, because you've got a house and I haven't. So thank you, because now I can deal with my issue that you just brought to the surface. Thank you. Thank you for the climbing the corporate ladder quicker than me, because I really wanted to go up that ladder, but now you're up it, I can't get up it. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. We do the opposite to what we feel. Someone steals your jacket, give them your shirt too. Someone whacks you on the face, the cheek, you give them the other cheek. This is what the Bible says. It's the opposite. All right, I better keep going. Admit, ask, attack, affirm. God love me. Number one, four minutes. God love me through my insecurities. God heal me out of my insecurities. Third, this is my favorite. God use me despite my insecurities. God doesn't just want to love you. God doesn't just want to heal you. God wants to use you. 
This is our third and final dangerous prayer. And if anyone has ever given weight to the narrative that God can't use me because, because of my age, because of where I grew up, because of my my A-levels, because of my marriage, because of my addiction, the devil's whispered that God can't use you now, we're about to take it back. God can't use you while you've got an eating disorder. God can't use you because you cheated on your wife. God can't use you because you spent time inside. The list goes on. But then I go to Joshua chapter 2. There's two Israelite spies. They're sent by Joshua into the city of Jericho, the land of Canaan. Israel are about to attack and take over the city of Jericho that was promised to them by God. And they're going to invade, but before they invaded that city, they just needed to do a recce on it. They needed to do, get some inside information on where the gates were, how big, how large the people were. So they send these two spies in. And when they reach the city, they, they spend a night with a lady called Rahab. She hides them from the king of Jericho in return for protection for herself and her family when eventually the Israelites break in. Rahab wasn't a professional Far from it. We don't know whether she had any qualifications. All we know is Rahab was a prostitute. This is one of the oddest stories in Scripture. Because God uses a prostitute to bring a whole nation into freedom. What does that tell me about my insecurities? Write this down. God will often use you before he fixes you. God will often use you before he fixes you. God used a prostitute. God didn't change Rahab before he used her. I wonder what's stopping some of you getting involved in church, joining a group, serving on team. A lot of people want to deal with their insecurities. A lot of people want to deal with their stuff. A lot of people feel like they're not good enough to help anyone else because they haven't got their own junk in order. Yet this story throws all that out the window. Why? Because God still uses people, imperfect people, despite our failures and insecurities. God says, I'll still use you. God's love is not a reward for when we change. Just hear me on this. God's love is not a reward for when we change. God's love is a starting block for change. The fact that Joshua believed in this woman, the society had written off. They said, hey, we we trust you. that You can be part of God's plan for this nation. And in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to put it on the screen. It's the genealogy of Jesus. It's basically the, the family tree. I don't know about you, but Matthew chapter 1 is normally the one I skip over get straight to Matthew chapter 2 because Matthew chapter 1 just talks about this is the genealogy of Jesus Messiah the son of David the son of Abraham it goes through all these weird and wonderful names it tells us how Jesus got here as I read this yesterday I was surprised to see someone on this list someone that I least expected her name is Rahab to get to Jesus Jesus The hero of the story 
we have to go through Rahab. Rahab is in the bloodline and the lineage of Christ. You have to go through a prostitute to get to Jesus. Now, what does that say about us? Thousands of years later, that God is still working through imperfect people to get people to Jesus. God is still working through insecure people like me. God is still working for messed up people, broken people, people who feel like they're worthless, people who feel like they can't go on. God is saying, I can still use imperfect people. If I can use a harlot, if I can use a prostitute, guess what? God says, I can still use you. Maybe you're saying today, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm screwed up. God is saying, I can still use you. Don't you dare say I'm not good enough. When I read that, I'm like, man, if God can use Rahab, God can still use me. God can use me despite my Mary Poppins syndrome. God can use you despite what happened in your past. Just watch this. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. We're not, sure that, we're not sure who the writer of Hebrews is, or we know who's a coffee lover. Hebrews. Just, is that bad? That was awful, actually. Someone just shouted out, that's awful. You, that was awful. We generally don't know who he was, but we know Hebrews. Hebrews 11. This is the, this is the hall of... They're all shaking their heads. That was that bad. That was a bad one, wasn't it? Just don't lose the moment. If you walk away and all you remember is that joke, I've done a bad job. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11. In this chapter, we see the spiritual heavyweights of the Bible. The spiritual heavyweights, the big boys, the faith boys, the ones who left a legacy, the big boys and girls. And Paul, who we, do, who we think was the author, he says this, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. He tells the story of what had happened two or 3,000 years earlier. They'd marched around them for seven days. And then he says, but by faith, the prostitute, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. A prostitute is named in the Bible's hall of fame. Hang on, just bear with me. He says, and he's running out of time. It's like a guy who's preaching a message and he's, he's in the red at the end of a message right, right now. He says, what more shall I say? He's going to explain some more heavyweights in the scripture. And then he says, actually, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel, all the real heavyweights. He says, you know what? <sighs> I haven't got time to tell you, but man, Rahab. He dismisses what we would think were Bible heavyweights and he spends time on a woman who was broken and messed up and insecure. And he says this, he's saying, God can still use you despite your insecurities. Despite your past, if God can use Rahab, 
God can still use you. If you think that your past is gone, if you think that you can't be used of God because of what happened in your previous church or in your previous life, in your previous job, I've got some good news today. God can still use broken, insecure people. God doesn't just want to love you. God wants to use you. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. He didn't have time to talk about David. He didn't have time to talk about Samson. Now I need someone in here, the one who feels like they don't belong, to thank God that he still uses imperfect people. Is there someone today that says, God can still use me? God can still use me. I messed it up, but God, if you can use a prostitute, if you can use that harlot, God, you can still use me. God, I'm just willing to be used. Come on, if you're saying today, God, I'm still willing to be used. I haven't got it right, but God, I'm willing to be used. Come on, if you're saying even in my insecurities, even with my past, even with my checkered back record, God, I can still be used of you. God, love me through my insecurities. God, heal me out of my insecurities. And God, use me despite my insecurities. If you can relate to one of those prayers or all of them, I want you to lift up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Come on, we all struggle with this in one one way or the other. Father, I pray right now that people would have a fresh revelation of your love towards them. Your love towards them. Just feel his love right now. He loves you, friend. He loves you. He loves you. The first step to change is to receive. He loves you. Now God is saying, I want to heal you. Healing is a process. Healing is a process. It's not going to happen right now. It's going to take time, but today can be the starting point. Maybe tomorrow morning it's just to attack back at the enemy. I'm confident in who I am in Christ. And then God, use me. In the process of change, in the process of this healing, God still use me. I want to be used to love people. I want to be used to help people. I don't need to have my life all sorted out and figured out for you to want to use me. God wants to use you this week. It could be a conversation in a coffee shop. It could be a conversation with your neighbor but God still wants to use you God wants to use you say God use me this week God use me God use me this week God use me I can't believe that God used me I'll be honest I can't believe that God's used me but he's using me God's using us receive it receive God's love receive God's healing receive God's forgiveness right now Your identity is coming from the inside out, not the outside in. You're secure in Him today. In Jesus' name, amen. God's incredible love. Yeah, come on, let's thank Pastor John. For preparing a message that's hit deep into our hearts, hasn't it? Every one of us. I've just been sat there through that message, thinking again about God's incredible love for us. And as Pastor John said, it's the starting block for change. Demands a response. 
Love needs a response, doesn't it? It needs to be reciprocated. And right now, I want to extend this invitation to look into the depth of your heart from the youngest to the oldest, whether you're new visiting this morning, whether someone's brought you, whether you've come back, maybe you've been watching online, maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you've not actually addressed the spiritual condition of your heart because God's heart of love for you is to live close, your heart closely connected with Him. And you don't have to earn that love. It's freely given. And actually in Ephesians 2.10, Pastor John mentioned the scripture, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works before the foundation of the world that we should walk in them. Our good works is, is meaning, is purpose, is making a difference in life, it's leaving a legacy. And the only way we can truly know that is knowing who we are in Christ. Because we were created uniquely. We were created to be loved. Yeah, we were created to belong. We were created to be accepted. And that longing for worth and acceptance and belonging, we try and find it in so many things. You may have tried to find it in human love. We try and find it in material success and acquisitions throughout our lives. But the only way we can know true belonging and true meaning in the very depth of our being is to know Jesus. And it's a very simple invitation, but it's a powerful one. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment that connects your heart with God's. And I believe today I'm going to be including many of you in this prayer. And I want to know who to include. To really dare to be the real you starts with saying, God, I want to be real in my relationship with you. And just as little Justice, their son ran to have his arms, his mom's arms wrapped around. I felt God saying, there's some older grown people in here. You heard that story and you long to have arms of love wrapped around you. Let God wrap his arms of love around you. Say, it's okay, my child, my son, my daughter. You might be gray haired in this place today, but he's saying, I want to give you love, meaning, purpose. I want to heal that pain. I want to bring wholeness. And more than that, He wants to give you assurance of hope beyond the grave. And right now, could I ask that every head be bowed, every eye closed? The soul church, we love to talk about the condition of our hearts, our souls. Where am I in my relationship with God? And if you want to say yes to Jesus, no matter what you've done or haven't done, the story about Rahab, who was a nobody, you might feel that you're not worth or of value. God is saying to you, I love you. I know you. I see you regardless of what you've done. I've heard your hearts cry. And maybe you're going to pray this prayer for the first time that says yes to Jesus. And I'm going to include as many as possible in this prayer. We don't want to embarrass you, but I'd love to just ask you to raise your hand in a moment after three. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe you've prayed a prayer before that's invited Jesus into your life, but during lockdown or or just through some things that have happened, you've drifted away and your relationship with God isn't what it once was. And today... You're saying, Rachel, I want to come back. I want to make my peace with God. He's waiting with open arms, ready to embrace you. So after three, I want to know who I'm including in this prayer. And we're all going to say this prayer together as a church family. So if this is you from the front to the back, from the side to the side, from the youngest to the oldest, say, yeah, that's me. I need to connect my heart with God today. After three, one, 
two, three, all across this room, put your hand up, thank you. Thank you at the back there, thank you. Thank you, anyone else that is coming back to Jesus today, you know you need to respond to Him. If you're watching online, we would love to extend this invitation to you as well. You might be in your living room, wherever you're watching from, God sees you, He knows you, He loves you. In our room, we're raising hands right there. Maybe just put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer together. Say this together as a church family, loud and strong. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for loving me. Right now, I invite You into my heart and life. Forgive me of my sin. I say yes to You. I say yes to meaning and purpose. I say yes to eternal life. I say yes to your love. Thank you for accepting me as I am. With your help, I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Online, we are applauding you. If you prayed that prayer today, in the room, we are applauding you. Thank you, Emily. If you prayed that prayer and raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed it and you meant it in your heart, we'd love to give you a Bible. Beautifully, it's called The Experience. It's a beautifully illustrated Bible that describes some of the things that Pastor John's been talking about this morning. And we'd actually love to get your name. I would love to be able to contact you in the week, your name and contact number, just to say, well done, to cheer you on. It's one thing to have God's arms wrapped around you, but we want to be able to say, we're here. We'd love to answer some questions. So just pop your details. Our uh, team will be waving these on the way out or online. You might want to, um, there's a number on the screen and there's a couple of ways that you can connect. So make sure you do so we can stay in touch with you. And it's a a second step. The first step was raising your hand. The second step is to make yourself known to us so we can do this journey of getting to know God together. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.